You're saying between like the reaching out and the being best friends. Yeah, that 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 yeah that, <laughs> that spectrum. <laughs> so it's a little one. <laughs> hey, friend, it's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. This is a special conversation with Jillian Richardson. As you may realize, this is the third time that Jillian is thankfully coming on the podcast. Jillian is a connection coach, the author of Unlonely Planet, and the creator of The Joylist, a newsletter that helps people make friends in New York City. In this episode, we talk about friendship and the new book called Platonic by Dr. Marissa Franco. Since I've been thinking a lot about friendship and how friendship affects the quality of our life and how so much jobs, gigs, clients come from word of mouth and referrals and friends, I wanted to share actionable ideas for you to help you better understand your existing friendships and hopefully make new ones. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Jillian. Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, David. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Round three, by the way. <laughs> Um, this is, this is a new, this is a new level. Uh, this is, uh, this is cool. So thanks for coming back on for the third time, but, um, we want to talk about friendship. We want to talk about platonic, the book, Mm -hmm. um, related to these topics. Um, I'm curious, like, how would you describe how you met or how a recent friendship was formed? Ooh, that's a really good question. It's funny because this, I was telling you before we started recording how I had some ladies over to my house last night and it was fascinating. People kept asking each other, which makes total sense. Like, oh, how do you know Jillian? And so it was a good reminder of actually how I had originally met everyone who was there. And one of the women who is there, Lissa, I really remember we were at a house party and she came up to me and she, she said, are you a dancer? And it was just the perfect compliment for me. Cause I'm someone who I, um, I can feel self-conscious with dancing. I don't really identify as someone who's like coordinated or like good with movementy things. And so for some reason, it just hit me so much that she was like, yeah, you've just got this kind of confidence. Like you're a dancer, you're a five rhythms person. And it's just a guess. And it's like, it opened the conversation of my relationship with my body and movement and dance. And we kind of just went really deep, really quick. And we both just had a desire to keep seeing each other. And I really think in my current friendships, that's the thing I'm always looking out for is this like mutuality, especially with female friendships of like, are we reaching out to each other? Are we inviting each other to things? Just because I think that has been a pain point with friendships in the past. It's like, I never hear from her. Like if I don't reach out, I don't know if I'm going to hear from her. And that hurts. Mm. Mutuality. Yeah. Yeah. And can it give and take, like, could maybe like at one point, like maybe in the beginning of the friendship, it's like, you know, someone's doing a little bit more of the reach out, uh, Mm -hmm. initiating. And then like, I don't know, do you, do you see that evolve or do you think like mutuality is kind of important from totally, I think I fall into a habit that I think she talks about in the book. That is if someone isn't reaching out to me to hang out, my brain kind of assumes, you know, they don't want to, like, if I ask someone to hang out three times and they've never asked me to hang out. 
I think the assumption is they're not as interested in hanging out with me, uh, which might not be true. Maybe it's a bit of a protection, but I think it is also because I've got some wounding around like being the person who cares more that it really does matter to me that someone at the very least can have the language of like, Hey, I realize I haven't been reaching out so much. Sorry. Uh, I'll make more of an effort or whatever. Yeah. Communication. So like, so important in this. Well, it sounds like what you're saying also is around, and there's a good quote in the book. I just want to make sure I get it right. Is like, but friendship requires initiative. And that means we must confront our gravest fears. Mm-hmm. Oh man. This is a thing I hear in my coaching practice from people a lot is they're like, they'll say something like, oh my God, this is so dumb that I feel so vulnerable doing this. Or like, I don't get why I feel so scared to do this. When I think it makes total sense because we've been culturally conditioned to think that with romantic partnership, there's so many reasons why people don't match up. Like there's so many reasons why you might not want to date someone, but friends are seen as less serious. So if someone doesn't want to be your friend, it's like, but anyone could be anyone's friend. So what's wrong with me? Like it feels a lot more painful to a lot of people to be quote unquote, like rejected as a friend. And so there's more fear with that. Yeah. And is that, I mean, I've, I've felt that <laughs> like we were talking mm-hmm. about, we were talking about before here around like hosting events and stuff and mm-hmm. reaching out to people and like, what does it mean if they like said, like, don't respond? Like, are they mm-hmm. like, are they just, I don't know, that kind of it hurts sometimes, right? Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. It's like, I definitely have people in my life where it's not balanced and it's like, okay, it's interesting. It feels like with some people, it feels totally fine. And other people, it doesn't. Mm, say more about that. I don't know. I think if if when I'm with a friend, I'm just playing with this right now. I think if, if when I'm with a friend, I feel like heard and understood and accepted and it's awesome, but we just like don't talk that much. It feels pretty fine. I think it's more with the friends where it feels even a little bit unstable when I'm with them. Like, a friend, because she talks about attachment theory in the book, I think I can more naturally gravitate sometimes to more avoidant friendships or like a friendships with people who are more avoidant because it just kind of repeats this pattern I have of feeling like, oh, well, I'm not lovable. People don't like me a lot because they're the person I'm attracted to the person who's not going to reach out that much or something like that or not be that kind. Like a friend who I'm excited about something going on in my work and they totally downplay it or like make a joke about my work or I say that I'm hurt and they don't care. Like something like that where I'm like, yeah, if I don't hear from that person, it hurts so much more because I'm like, I'm putting up with this behavior and you're not even going to reach out to me. What the hell mm. is that? Yeah. And the uh, and context on the attachment theory, that's basically saying like that there's different, there's three different types and kind of mm-hmm. the overarching theme is around like confidence in the relationship. Yeah. Like she's saying, I hope I can summarize this well, but she's saying when someone is securely attached, they don't take slights as like a personal attack. Like they don't assume that someone's doing something with malicious intent. They're just like, oh, they probably didn't mean to do it. Let's talk about it. Someone who's anxious, I lean more anxious, tends to be like, oh, they did this on purpose to hurt me. And it's harder for them to see the other person's perspective. And someone who's more avoidant, 
has less access to how they're actually feeling and might not even want to recognize that something they did hurt their feelings and then they push it down. Yeah. And so this is all connected to like the feelings and Mm -hmm. is a little bit separate from it's related to connection, right? It's a totally, but it's, it's a little bit, it's internalized. Like how, how is someone feeling compared Mm -hmm. to the overall feeling of connection to a certain person? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like people who are securely attached, it's just easier for them to feel connected to their friends and to assume that they're deserving of love and that people like them versus someone who's more anxious will probably think more like, oh, I'm never enough for people. And I'm always the person who's reaching out and people don't like me and all that kind of train of thought. And then the avoidant attachment would be more like, oh, people are so needy and they're always glomming on to me. And like, I just want my space. I might not be getting that totally right, but something like that. Yeah. And how how do you think like connection has like, how do you think it kind of has affected you? Like, how do you think like it affects Mm -hmm. like, you know, you know, this period or maybe in the past is there, I don't know, do you have different kind of like connection metrics or yeah? how, how do you think about connection in terms of like how you're feeling and how you're doing and maybe how you're like, you know, like how are things are going on in your world? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I think this is so funny. I'm like, oh, these are all newer topics to say out loud. But like, I think when I was in my earlier 20s, I felt disconnected because I didn't think I was deserving of love and connection. I didn't realize I was thinking that, but I definitely was. And so I was constantly putting myself in situations where I wouldn't be treated well because that's just what felt familiar. And now I'm at a place where I'm like, no, I know what healthy love and connection looks like. I've healed a lot of this stuff. And because I'm a person and I'm in progress, I think a lot of my work is seeing and feeling the love that is already in front of me and that is around me. Because I lean more anxious, it's so easy for me to get just stuck in my own head and my own world and not remember the people who I have around me. And like, you know, just randomly reach out to be like, hey, I remember you said that you had like a doctor's appointment. How did that go? Or like, whatever. Like, I have to do active work to be in like a calmer space. So I have the mental space to do generous stuff like that. Hmm. And so I think what I heard there was around this idea of like, once you see what healthy relationships and healthy connection is like, it can be like Mm a, an, an eye opener. And and does that, when you work with your clients on connection and stuff, do you think that Mm -hmm. that's one thing that um, surprises them too? Totally. I think the thing that I notice a ton with my clients is they often think they just need a good strategy and then they'll be set where it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to reach out to people three times a week and I'm going to go to a bar and I'm going to get five women's numbers and I'm going to join a club and that'll be fine. And it's like, there are plenty of people who do everything technically right to have enough people in their life and have enough friends and go on dates and all that stuff but it still doesn't feel like enough. And they're still constantly worrying that people are judging them and they're still feeling like they care more than other people care or they're judging the people in their lives. And it's that's when it, I think they see like, oh, this is also a really internal job. 
it's not just having the right people around mm. me. It's like, what's my internal state? How much do I think I deserve love? How kind am I being to myself? How hopeful am I about other people? Cause like people pick up on that energy. Yeah. The vibe that you put out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm like, Hey, I heard you talk a ton about how you don't like your friends. Like, I, I wonder how they feel around you. Mm. Like, what, and cause what, like 75% of people aren't satisfied with their friendships. Is that mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Of course there are all sorts of numbers measuring this, but that's the number that I always use. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the lines in the book that, uh, like really stood out to me. And that's kind of what I was uh, asking you about was like, I think it's connection affects who we are and who we are affects how we connect. Isn't that an amazing line? That is such a good line. Wow. I got to add that to my website or something. That's such a, <laughs> such a good line. Wait, will you say it one more time? Yeah. Connection have, affects who we are. Mm-hmm. And who we are affects how we connect. Oh my God. That's so good because it's like, I feel like it's two separate problems. Like I see in myself and I see in the people I work with is either people aren't putting themselves in spaces where they can connect with people, period. And then their socializing muscles start to atrophy. So it's like the longer you go without socializing, the harder it's going to be. And so it's like, okay, if you're never meeting new people, if you're never around them, you're not getting the benefits of being in conversation, having people be interested in you, like getting that feeling of like, oh, right. Like I'm not just an isolated human. People are curious about me and I get to be impacted and impact others through conversation and activities. But then the second part of like your internal state impacting how you connect with others. I think about this a ton in coaching because my own coach who I work with thinks about it a lot. Is like, if I'm in a really scattered headspace, I'm going to connect with the person in front of me way differently than if I'm feeling really grounded and present and here. And like, that's all about my internal state. Like the other person has no impact on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Like if you feel connected, then it's it's almost like feeds off itself. Like the more you Mm -hmm. feel connected, the more you feel, you know, socially healthy, Mm-hmm. Um, then like you have a certain vibe, a certain energy, a certain confidence, and then like you're able to then put that out. And then that kind of like feeds off. It's the other when you meet a new person mm-hmm. or you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while. It's crazy. Totally. Like, do you have a friend where when you talk to them, you're like, damn, like their energy is just so good. Like I have some Buddhist friends where I'm like, whoa, like clearly the fact that you're meditating for forever. It's like, I can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're like that. (laughs) I think our walks and talks and our, it's always, you know, good vibes, good energy. And, and obviously you always have great questions and remember details on, Mm -hmm. you know, how are things going and, you know, reflect back on prior conversations of like, Hey, you know, three months ago you said this and it sounded like you felt that. Do you still feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that because I get self-conscious about not remembering things about people a lot. Really? <laughs> totally. Because it's like, I think one, you're you're catching me on like, I think of a bit of a self-judgmental day, but like, 
I think I can often be in a little bit more of a scattered internal state, which means I forget things about people more easily. Um, and then I, it just comes up in my conversations, but like times, like I've noticed times where I feel super at ease in my nervous system. Like I went away for a friend's birthday and we were in the woods and I'm like, oh man, I can remember so many small details from a bunch of those conversations from that particular weekend compared to my conversations with friends in New York city. Mm. Probably the placement or like the being in a new place, a new environment may like train your brain a little bit differently. Yeah. And I think I was just like genuinely more relaxed. And I was like, oh, like I'm in the woods, like we're moving, we're going on hikes. I was just like feeling really calm. Uh, it's something I talked to my coach and my therapist about because they're like, yeah, as someone who works with people, I want to remember the details of people's life. And like, that's a skill. Yeah. So, all right. So I think we both kind of would agree. And I think the book also points out of like how to make friends. Like you got to reach out to people. You either got to like initiate conversation, invite to events, you know, include people into things that you're already doing. Yeah. Another thing that I think you're really good at is the, like the concept of like when someone comes to mind, let them know. Yeah, I am good at that. (laughs) (laughs) That one I will fully take that I am good at that. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like there's this like initiation part. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, you know, and and to the degree that you have events where you're like kind of including people, you know, being generous and trying to uh, introduce them to other people through the events, et cetera, like that and help help them out. Mm -hmm. But then it kind of seems like there's a little bit of like like a messy middle of friendship. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You're saying between like the reaching out and the being best friends. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, <laughs> that spectrum. <laughs> so it's a little one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's something in the middle of those yeah. two points. Totally. How do we, how do we overcome the kind of the messy middle? Man, this is a, a place where I really feel like there's a big analogy with friendship and dating where it's like that that stage of dating before you're in an exclusive relationship where it's like, Oh, do you, do I like you more than you like me? Do you like me more than I like you? Like what's happening? And like these, she talks a lot about protective mechanisms or like defense mechanisms popping up of like, do you purposefully not talk about some, like a point of conflict? Do you explode when you're really angry? Do you, um, get like passive aggressive or all these things that we just kind of naturally do. Like those things pop up so much in friendship. And she talks about how in friendship, we will think we don't need to address points of conflict because Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's just a friendship. Like friendship shouldn't be hard. And like, I agree to that to a point. Like if you're in a friendship where every other day you're like, Oh my God, we have to have another big conversation about our friendship. And I've had a few friendships like that where I'm like, we do not like, this is an insane number of difficult conversations to be having. Like this feels like too much, Yeah, but there's going to be stuff. I think what I'm hearing there is around this idea of like trying to proactively talk about kind of like where you are, Mm -hmm. uh, how you're thinking about this relationship and friendship and the fact that Mm -hmm. there is this kind of gray zone until it goes from like 
acquaintances, a couple of good conversations to like, mm-hmm. this person's just like top of mind or they're, you know, that goes back to the mutuality where we started. Yeah, totally. And those, I'm just thinking about my own friendship life. The moments of like trying to deepen a friendship can feel so vulnerable. Like I remember inviting a friend to go on a trip with me and I was like, oh my God. And the first person I asked couldn't go. And I was like, oh, this feels terrible. And I asked another friend and she could, but it's like, oh, it feels like you're putting your heart out there. You're like, hey, I'm going to ask if we can do something we haven't done yet. That's like a bigger time commitment than we've ever spent with each other. Like, well, like someone's going to be the one who has to do it. Yeah. So that, that felt hard. Totally. Cause it's like, it's a reveal. It's like, Hey, I like you and I want to go deeper with you. And like, maybe you feel fine about the way our friendship is right now. And you don't want to do that. And like, that's, that's scary. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. It seems like the, the kind of like different ways that you connect is like, maybe you see casually at these kind of events and then there's like, mm-hmm. Oh, like, would you travel with me? Oh, nope. Sorry. I'm going to travel with you, <laughs> but you never totally. have to ask. A hundred percent. And it's so hard too, with a lot of this stuff. Cause I feel like people often aren't so direct and we kind of have to read between the lines where I doubt someone would be like, you know, the idea of traveling with you sounds awful. <laughs> like, no, thank yeah. you. You'd be like, oh man, I can't make it. So sorry. And again, that's just like the, the benefit of being a more secure attachment style from what I'm understanding is that it's like, you don't take it personally. You're not like, oh, because of this, I'm a bad, unlovable person. Yeah. I mean, to that end, I think I think another thing that I think that you do that is really great. Um, like when I invite you to things and you can't attend, like mm-hmm. you turn it into a, like a positive and warm interaction of like, oh, this is so nice. This seems like this is going to be an incredible time. I can't believe you're doing this. This is so cool. Unfortunately, I can't do this, but please keep me updated on the next one. And it's like, <laughs> wow, like, you know, especially after that, that feeling of like, oh, I wonder if she's too busy or I wonder if she wants to come mm-hmm. to this at this interesting, et cetera. But then mm-hmm. I think you do a really good job for me, uh, at least uh, of turning yeah. it into a positive reaction. And I think like definitely, definitely stands out compared to um, other people that may just like heart <laughs> message and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> you're like mean? what does that mean <laughs> yeah. I Got mean because yeah. I've been in that position so many times where it's like oh I'm making an offer to you and it's again because I also lean more anxious I'm like oh does this mean the person doesn't like me does this mean they don't want to be invited to other things so I feel like I definitely consciously try and do that at least hopefully more often than not because it's like also I know how hard it is to bring people together and you're so gifted at that and you're so consistent with it So just to be like, hey, I see what you're doing. And like, this is a beautiful thing that you're doing. And thank you for inviting me. Because it's such a gift to be invited to anything that you host. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, And you recently had a Instagram post that said around like putting people into three different kind of categories. Yes. While you're maybe processing that of like, wait, what did I post a couple of weeks ago? But I no, I remember because <laughs> I put it, I put it in a newsletter too. <laughs> um, shout out the drawers, shout out the personal newsletter. Um, 
Shout out, shout out, shout out. Um, shout out, shout out, shout but out. But those are those are, are both real things. Uh, the joy list's been going weekly for since 2016. For those who don't know, go to an event and leave with a new friend. Um, yes. But the three things were de-escalate, deepen, and dating. Ooh, the three Ds. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not all three can apply to to, to, to each each kind of person, right? <laughs> totally. I would say that it's like for putting people in buckets, kind of. And the reason I came up with those categories is because I was like, mm, this will sound how it sounds. Like I was having some realizations about friends that I was like, you know, I think our values actually aren't so much aligned and I'm realizing this and I think I want to spend less time with this person. And it's not a like, we need to have a big conversation about this moment. I think it's just a kind of like, for me, it's an internal shift because it's not like they're constantly reaching out to hang out and I'm saying no, it feels more like an internal shift. And then I was like, oh wait, this is so interesting that even though I'm saying I want to spend less time and energy with this person, I'm like habitually reaching out to them, even though I actually want to spend more time with XYZ person and deepen our friendship. And I was like, what am I doing? It's like my brain is even forgetting that those people are there and it's just going back in these old grooves. So I just wanted to write down like, okay, who am I consciously trying to spend less time and energy on? Who am I trying to spend more time and energy on? And also this one's just for the the single folks out there. Like, who am I romantically interested in? And like, who am I going on dates with? Who do I want to ask out? Because also it's like, I don't know, sometimes people might fall into the habit of having someone as a friend when really they would love to date that person. Mm. How do you think the um, pandemic affected, do you think the pandemic affected the um, the person that you were like, oh, I just kind of naturally just invite them? Is that someone that you like knew for a lot longer? Somebody that like you were friends with pre-pandemic and then maybe like didn't stay in touch but it was like, oh, it was all virtual. So we couldn't get together. And then mm-hmm. now like things are opening up. Did that play into things? And how do you kind of, how do you think about that these days with the way the pandemic has affected relationships broadly? Yeah, I guess I'll speak to the broader and then to myself. Like I have seen so much in coaching people being like, the pandemic made me realize I need new people in my life. Like maybe they went through a really big change personally that their close friends from growing up didn't. Or it's like people who they're like, oh, you know what? Like I've I've had some clients like this. They're like, oh, all my friends are in like grad school to become doctors and lawyers. And I'm a freelancer and I'm a creative. And like, they all think my job is kind of dumb and they don't get it. And like, they're all married and they all have kids and I'm single And it was just like, okay, if all of your friends live a fully different lifestyle than you, that's probably going to make you think your life choices are wrong in some way, where it's like, you don't have any friends who are in the same life path as you. That's going to make life way harder than it needs to be. And so these people, they're like, oh, wait, I need to bring new people into my circle who maybe are traveling nomads. Maybe you're single, maybe you don't want kids, maybe aren't doing the conventional job path. Like they need to have those sorts of people in their life. And that's a shift. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to go out and be the third wheel for my married friends, like multiple times a week. It was just starting to hurt them. Um, So I see that with people. And for myself, I'll like choose my words carefully with this. 
but it's like, I think sometimes I'll, I'll hear like a collection of statements from a friend of like how they view the people in their life or the way they treat others where I'm like, Ooh, I don't agree with that. And like, that's, it's not anything around like racism or sexism or anything like that. It's more just kind of like how they, how they treat others generally. I'm like, "Mm, this doesn't land great. And like, Mm -hmm. there's been a few of these moments. It's something I I am internally struggling with because my default is always have the conversation, like always bring it up, always say the thing. But I was having a conversation with a, like a Buddhist monk friend about this. I was asking him what he would do. And he was so smart. He was just like, I think you're trusting your intuition that you don't want to put yourself in a conversation where you know you're going to get hurt. Mm. And I was like, that's a fair point. So maybe I'm chickening out on a conversation, but I'm like, I don't think so. Trust in your intuition though, too. Like, yeah. Also my like therapist a- agrees. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it sounds like it's an early data point of like, okay, if this is like, there's probably more to this. And then if there's more to it, then I probably, it's not going to, we're just not going to be as compatible as. Totally. And it's not even one. It's like, oh, this is time five. This has happened where I'm like, oh, that's, that's not a thing I would say. Um, yeah. And it's just interesting to, to see. Cause I think like, if if folks have a more like dysfunctional family of origin or they're not so secure in their attachment, like the habitual thing will be gravitating to people who don't necessarily serve your best interests because that's just how your brain is wired. And so I feel like the growth comes from like one, becoming less attracted to those types of relationships and two, kind of like shortening how long it takes for you to notice and not just being like, oh, uh, like I've reached out to this person 10 times and they've never reached out to me. Uh, and like, I don't feel that cared about when I'm with them being like, maybe that's a sign <laughs> that this isn't <laughs> like your new best friend. Yeah. What else do you think? Um, I've got one, probably one thing, uh, still yeah. in the book that, uh, wouldn't mind talking about. Is there another Go for thing? it. Oh my God. Wait. Yes. The one big point I definitely wanted to share was she talks about how we underestimate how much other people like us, which I thought was such an important point, especially for people who lean more anxious. It was like, I can often be like ruminating on like the one thing I said that maybe somebody didn't like and forgetting the like 10 lovely positive moments. I'm like literally doing this today from the group of friends I had over last night. There was like one moment where I think I might've said something maybe that offended someone. And it's been like on loop in my brain. Meanwhile, people have sent me like four sweet messages about how much they loved it. But just to remember, we're almost like hardwired to look out for danger and to remember those moments where we feel uncomfortable and awkward. And that it's like scientifically proven we're bad at guessing how much people like us by like a good number of percentage points. Wow. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, only other point that I want to say was around, and I agree. I I, I went to an event last night and I'm, have been thinking about a conversation and like one part in a conversation. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. I'm not alone. I was like, I don't know if that person. Yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know. Did that hurt the relationship? I definitely have thought like since then. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, <laughs> being a person with the brain, man, it's rough. Yeah. Pros and cons. Um, and then I think the other part, and just because it's like how I think we became friends was this idea around like being in communities and like mm-hmm. you become friends with people over time and like continuing to like, I think she calls it like the propinquity theory, which is like this idea of like the more you're just like generally around people Mm -hmm. you're gonna like Mm -hmm. continue to like like them more yeah such a great scientific term for something so basic (laughs) yeah the more time you spend with someone the more you like them and and if you and if you know that you're likely going to see them again Mm -hmm. you then like them a little bit more too it's like as opposed to like oh just never see this person again like but if you know there's something about like if you know you're going to see someone again. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, like, let me really try to make this relationship work. Totally. It's like small town theory, mm. which is a phrase I just made up right now by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's why people in small towns, like they, they come to New York City and they're smiling at everyone on the sidewalk. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you will die if you operate like that in New York City. <laughs> so, okay, so... What else do you think people should like do if they're listening to this and they're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I want to make new friends. I want to Mm -hmm. like feel more comfortable or confident about my friendships. We talked about a couple of them of like shoot a person a text message when you think about them, invite them to Mm -hmm. things, assume that they like you. What else do you think someone should like do right now? I would like think of one behavior that you want to do more of and like make a little commitment to yourself. Cause like, I've been really craving more consistent female friendships in my life. And just literally the act of being like, I'm going to have women over to my house every other week and do it for like two months as an experiment. I can like feel the anxiety going away. Cause I've made a conscious choice and now it's like just a thing I'm going to do. And it's not forever. It's one thing. Or it could be like, Oh, I'm going to ask one friend to get breakfast every Wednesday morning or like whatever the thing is, something that's consistent just to practice. Yeah. Anything else on connection or friendship? Man, I buy that book. It is so good. It's so backed by research in a way that I'm deeply impressed by. Like this is the book for all my clients who really are logical. I'm like, this is the perfect book for them. Cause it's like not super emotional. It's not super woo, but it gets to the same points. Cool. And uh, if people want to learn more, stay in touch with you, what are some some places? We gave a little <laughs> bit of a shout out earlier, but um, we'd love yeah. to hear from you. If you want to read another book, <laughs> my book, Unlonely Planet, How Healthy Congregations Can Change the World, uh, is about creating community outside of organized religion. And I am a coach who works with people who want more friends, better relationships, uh, and you can also, if you live in New York city, follow the joy list and just Google the joy list and you will find it. And I am that Jillian on all things. All the things Jillian round three. Wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of portfolio career podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. 
This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.